0: Cappuccino with Constable Bryan. Real people, real stories. Star uh, today is a gentleman who I first met in the Otahu district when he was a detective constable. He may not remember that, but I, I do. do remember that. Yeah, that's all good. He then went on to be uh, Nelson Bay's area commander, amongst other roles in the area. Uh, He is now the superintendent of road policing. He's a Die Hard Warriors fan. Uh, Totally, Have mercy on his soul. (laughs) Uh, He's an apprentice beekeeper. Uh, He joined in two thousand and nine to the police. He worked as a commercial two thousand. Good work. Of course, yeah, worked as a commercial pilot for United Aviation beforehand. Studied, and you've got your degree in aviation management. Yeah, I've got that down. uh,
1: uh, My father said um, he was disappointed when I pulled out of varsity. And he said um he said oh you won't get this um in 30 years well sorry dad 26 years <laughs>
0: done uh but then he did so well at university even at the dean's list at Massey university achieving uh which, so basically to hit the dean's list you've got to achieve a minus a grade across all your papers for the entire year uh, apparently when you got the email you thought it was spam i yeah, did yeah, yeah. i did think it was spam yeah yeah nice work uh, so yeah. a big welcome to superintendent steve Greeley. thanks for joining us. No, Hey, uh, what we normally do is we do a pop quiz dedicated to Speed, the greatest police movie of all time. So here's your pop quiz (laughs) hotshot, all right? All right. uh, Your dream car is what?
1: My dream car, um, actually I'd probably go for, and a friend of mine actually has one, is the Ferrari F12.
0: There you go, nice. Yeah. Uh, If you weren't a police officer, you would be?
1: Oh, I'd be in aviation somewhere, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Uh, the last book or the book that you're currently reading is
1: uh, g- uh, currently reading one um, around James Comey but um, read one called Winning by Jack Welch who was the uh, general manager of, uh,
0: of GE yep I've read the Comey one it's pretty good uh, the best police movie of all time is it's <laughs> oh, a, a real tough one um, the newbies say it's bad boys the older guys yeah. like yourself and I go heat speed die hard that type of stuff
1: Oh, Die Hard, you can't go past Die Hard. In fact, a family member was the, uh, was one of the um, cinematographer directors.
0: Oh, nice. and, and Die Hard 3, yeah. Good work. Uh, and your guilty pleasure when you're not at work is what?
1: Well, yeah, as you said before, I, I, I've just started to uh, get into beekeeping, but I'm, a, I'm an absolute novice there, being stung to buggery. But um, uh, I love flying, absolutely love flying.
0: So, uh, why a police officer as a postal pilot? Uh, is it cuz he wanted a cut in wages or what?
1: <laughs> yeah. I think I've wanted to be a cop all my life. And I remember as a kid I locked my sister into the bird aviary.
0: Yeah.
1: Um it was our little makeshift jail and um and she started crying and I asked my father. I said, "Um do you think I should let her out?" And he, I I got a I got his opinion on that. Yep, so we let her out. And me and my mates always played cops, you know, when we were kids. Yeah. It's always been there, but um, what happened was I was, I was working for your traffic control and uh, I had a uh, smoke break and I was talking to a, um, a lady there who was an administrator and she said her, her husband, old uh, Richie Morrison, was yeah, a yeah, cop yeah, yeah. in countys county of And she said, why don't you go out with the team? So I went out with the team and I never looked back. Yeah. Um, we had an, an incredible shift that really spun my wheels. We did a lot of amazing things that I would never have dreamed of. And um, nearly 20 years on, um, probably in police, for different reasons that I joined, yeah. But um, to be honest, mate, I love it, yeah. and uh, we, we do great stuff in police.
0: Yeah, not wrong either. Um, mm. Give us your career in a nutshell to yep. this to this point. So you go down to police college for '99, 2000, and
1: then go. Yep. Where? Yeah. So after that, I went, um, as you said before, I went to um, Counties Monaco district. so I was there for 12 years, where I did um, emergency response at Whiti, uh, Otahu. I was there for a little while for an inquiry sort of cop type thing. Yeah. Um, and, but I always wanted to join the CIB. I always thought of myself as a detective, yep. and so really early on, I started doing the modules and things and the training. And I got a call up from from our esteem leader, was um, Detective Inspector Steve Rutherford, who interviewed me. Yep. Um, always a harrowing interview when you go <laughs> with with, with as yep. he was affectionately uh, affectionately known as. And uh, he called a spade a spade, and he do his digging, and he and, and I got in. I couldn't believe it, so I was, was accepted into the CIB where I worked on a lot of things, and that was great, and worked with some fantastic people, some of whom are still there in counties of Monaco doing doing God's work. Yeah, yeah. Um, And uh, so I did that for a few years, and then I promoted out of CIB to become a street sergeant in Papakura um, for a couple of years. I loved that, Um, and, uh, and did a bit of custody unit there at that time on secondment. Um, Then I promoted up as a senior sergeant I thought, actually, I'm really enjoying the uniform side of things again, so I stayed in the uniform um, branch and um, uh, became the uh, district shift supervisor, um, um, where you're responsible for basically making sure that the critical incidences are well responded to, we've got all the right people in the place and making Mm -hmm. sure that we save lives um biggest thing there was probably that happened was when constable jeremy snow was shot mm-hmm. four times so uh, that was the worst and probably yeah. the uh, most poignant thing i've ever been involved with in police yeah. um thankfully he's alive with us today due to the efforts of some fantastic men and women uh, yeah. who were on that night um and uh, then I, I went to mobile police station where we do problem solving type thing and it's a really interesting branch of policing to get into understanding why problems are happening and trying to address the problem the causes so that was a different perspective for me because mm-hmm. I ended up getting um, out of the response mindset and into the more sustainable stuff. you know, yeah. trying to understand what happened and solving that. After that, became Manurewa, um, which I love Munyorewa, busy, busy, busy place yeah. in But um, I was a response senior there in charge of about 70 staff of uh, going to priority one jobs. And then I promoted up as, uh, as an inspector, as the uh, area commander. In Nelson Bays, where I was with for three and a half years, and, and it was a real, a, a great insight into rural policing, because as you know, I'd only been metro policing, like, and metro policing, in the best of times, is really impersonal. Yeah. Um. But in, in, when you're when you're working with people that you live with in their communities in rural, it's a very different scene. Mm. And some of the uh, the community cops uh, in Wakefield and uh, Motueka and and the like really taught me about uh, country policing and um, about what it means to be part of the community you police it's not the same no um and i learned through some making some big mistakes as an area commander but uh, it was great fun and now i'm here the last four and a half years i've been um, national manager of road policing yeah well well road can you policing. can Church. you
0: remember your very first day on the job yeah if anything happened amazing well, not uh happened. it wasn't overly amazing
1: uh, probably more amazing than my um in my training when i came and, and did some um, scope stuff and. When I was, was trying to to be a police officer, but uh, um, I was on my OC um, car it was it was Senior Constable Vince Nahi. Nahi, yeah. Um, and we were we were PKI, so that was the Papakura incident car. We mm-hmm. were so we were off we went from Monaco to to Papakura, and uh, I remember actually seeing an old man who was on the um, the standing underneath the railway crossing. It was an overpass, and you're standing under there, and you're surrounded by a group of what you'd call street kids. Yeah, young probably 12 to 15 year olds probably yeah. a dozen of them and it uh, looked like he was about to get a good hiding he was a um poor quote it seemed homeless we got stuck and we got went straight in there they they took off and um and we had to go and, and find him and help him out but um i remember that i'll never forget it because had we have turned a blind eye had we not have done our jobs, um i, I know damn well he would have uh ended up in hospital with a, with a, and, uh, and so on. But we went to an aggravated robbery yeah. as well in the Um we were called, called to that. And um, I learned about statement taking on that first day. It's not always glamorous, but uh, it's necessary. Yeah. Uh, and then the stuff that we, we, the information we got from the witnesses at the time is critical further on down the track. Yeah. So ATD
0: yeah. is my first sergeant. Oh, re- ATD, yeah. yeah, yeah. Attention to detail. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, what has been your most challenging moment as a police officer in that twenty years, yep. what's been the moment that's really made you go, "Hang on for a second, I don't know if." Yep,
1: it was when Jeremy was shot.
0: Yeah,
1: no two ways about it. And um, and while I was the um, incident controller um, of, of the response, um, what at home really homed um, or, or, or um, really made me think about was actually even the most innocuous job can turn into life threatening for a police officer yeah. these days and this was going back to about I think it was about 2009 this occurred and it was a Sunday night uh, early s- Monday morning nothing much was going on in the district and that was County's Monaco, that says a lot Yeah, but it was very quiet um, and um, Jeremy and his partner um, uh, ended up uh, going to this job where it was just a, a vehicle down a driveway that had hazard lights going on at uh, whatever 2 in the morning 4 in the morning something like that and um and uh, they went to it and uh, gradually the job got worse because um they, looked, they didn't know whether who owned it so that, that was very easy go yeah. down and have a look then they looked through the vehicle from you know through yeah. the window oh my god there's a sawn off shotgun or, or a firearm yeah oh my god um now it, everyone starts to ears yeah. yeah. prick up and all of a sudden boom the um uh, jeremy's partner um, constable he was constable then uh, kato um, yells out nine, 10 on and that's a, a big call out to emergency. Yeah. Um, and, and all hell broke loose. Yeah. Um, Jeremy had been shot four times and was left to die in the back um, yard of that place. And poor Jeremy had no option. That, uh, not, was it Jeremy Cato? Rob. Rob, Rob Cato. Cato. Yeah. Um, uh, he ended up taking off and he could only do one thing. Yeah. And it was horrific for him, G- Jeremy and everybody. Yeah. But um, the response from the people was exceptional. Yeah. And um, he's alive because of what they did, Um, brave as. But it got me thinking, we cannot take any job for granted. It just doesn't matter because you don't know who's around the corner and what their motives are. Now, these were drug dealers, um, very bad people. Yeah. Let's just leave it there. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, no, you're right. It it made me think anything can kill you in this job.
0: Yeah, and you're exactly right. I mean, if you look at things like um, Murray Street, for instance. Yep, same thing. He knew the offender. Yeah, you know. um, Yeah, Yeah, he knew the offender, Yeah um so you move from County manukau yep. to nelson base yeah that has to be i mean i as you and i've just chatted before we got here um i've now gone from metro to rural yeah it's a huge culture shock yeah, it really is yeah especially when you live in a community of police as well yep. um what was the biggest culture shock for you as a police officer from going from a metro situation to an urban situation yeah it was um it's
1: okay murchison's a great one wakefield we had two officers at wakefield um we two officers of Murchison and merchants, and a merchant's and merchant's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, uh, but a lot of people go through there. Now we've got two cops there that are on call all the time, really, because you live in the community, you're expected by the public to to be available, and you're a jack of all trades. You don't just do one thing no, like we yeah. do in our metro, uh, pretty yeah, much. Yeah. You've got to be able to do everything, and 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 and, and gee. Okay, as an inspector, we had senior constables there. Um, They were the most important people to have. They knew everybody. And you know what? When the chips are down and they're sorting out a bar fight in the local pub at night, if they police wrong, the public just stands there and watches them get a hiding. If they police right, all of a sudden we've got more cops there than you think. Mm. Because they, they... they respect the officers, and so my job as the area commander was to enable our people to have that trust and confidence, to be well respected, and they, they did it on their own. They were the sorts of people, but rural policing's not for every cop.
0: No, no, you're definitely right it there. It's not for everybody. Yeah.
1: It's a wickedly different scene.
0: You're not wrong. Yeah. If you had, like we've said, there's a huge difference in yeah. both the, the culture and also the geographical area, because I don't think people realise how many kilometres rural cops travel to yeah. do their job. It's not like it is in a metro situation where yeah. you basically, you could travel 15K yeah. in an entire yeah. norm. Whereas if you're a rural cop, you could travel up to 500 yeah. and only be going to one job, for instance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, if I gave you the choice of saying, hey, look, superintendent's lack is over for you now, you're either going rural or metro, which would you choose and why?
1: Oh, wow. The older I get probably, Oh, actually, uh, the demands on rural, uh, I think you've got a be... Have a very uh, tolerant family situation mm-hmm. because it does encroach on your on your family life. Mm-hmm. It, it has to, by virtue of geography and, and the expectations. Um, um, but I'm getting older now. I'm 47, uh, which is not old, but it's. Um, I f- I'm fully aware that a 15 year old will put me on my bum. Yeah. Um, if I'm not careful, I'm not as um, strong and agile as I was when I joined. Um, and you've got to leave your ego alone at home. Yeah. Um, it happens to everybody. Um, so, look, I don't know. I think, to be honest, um, my, 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 uh, my passion is making sure that our people on the front line, the people that need the equipment, they need the legislation, they need the skills and all the stuff to, to keep them safe is, is where I'm at now in my headspace. Yeah. So, look, I, I don't know if it's rural or it's, it's urban. It's just it's about our front line for me now. Great stuff.
0: What does it do... Off look like for Steve Greely because oh let, let's be honest, if yeah, it's yeah. not media requests on yep. hey, this accidents yep. happened, uh, what are we doing about this? What about this and everything else? So I know mm-hmm. that you are well, pretty much always on calls, especially yep. as a superintendent. Yep. Um, what's a day off for you look, look like? So leave the week, find at work, which we know never ever happens. Yep. What does it look like for you from the time you get up? To right, the time you go to okay, sleep? so that's
1: changed. So over time, when I was a constable, I remember i, I, I never got called back for anything. No. When I was a detective, that changed. Yeah. Um, I was never yeah. at home. Um, but when I, um, even in this role, um, uh, I think the expectations used to be on the National Manager of Road Police and that, yeah, you're, you're um, if media requests come in, yep, you, you front up, front in centre, and you do it. And, and we did that for a long time. In fact, the first summer campaign that I led uh, in this role four years ago so the summer of um 15 16 um, uh, i did over 60 media requests it was insane nine were on christmas day that has changed but realistically my phone is on because um you know i i, I, I get paid well um there's a lot of expectation and responsibility and um sometimes tragically big bad things happen and um Sometimes it does need a national
0: perspective on it. Yeah, you're not wrong. Case. In actual fact, when I saw the commissioner yesterday, yeah. I meant to ask him if you Google top cop, New Zealand's top cop, your name very often comes up before his. Yeah. That's the amount of media advice <laughs> you're doing. I won't be sharing that with the commissioner. <laughs> yeah. You're a brave man, no, it's right. all, it's all good, yeah. So um, when you obviously when you uh, have a look at Steve Greeley on the internet, your role of Superintendent of Road Policing comes up. Yep. Right. When you started as Superintendent of Road Policing, yep. what were your key goals when you started the position? Yeah, yeah, sure, that's a
1: bloody good question. Um, actually, it's funny, I, um, I've i been very lucky uh, to, uh, to have been um, in close proximity to our commi- current commissioner because he used to be our district commander, yep. you know, And when he's a superintendent. Um, And uh, I've always had a very good steer, and it was funny, when I started here, I bumped into the boss um, up on the 15th floor, and um, it was a chance meeting, and he said, Steve, he said, what I want you to do, he said, I want you to write a road policing strategy for New Zealand police, not for road policing. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. And and actually, the way he canvassed it, he said that, it was very easy to understand. Um, Road policing, potentially, you know, it was arguably... On a little bit of a different way to our national strategy of prevention first in our business and things, albeit they were doing God's work in preventing yep. crashes, so it was just formalising that. So, so really bringing road policing back into the New Zealand Police wider sense. It's not its own puppy. So we did that through the road policing action plan, and so we didn't have a, um, we didn't have a sh- our own strategy because if we did that, that'd be like saying road policing special. It's on its own. It's not. It's right. New Zealand Police. Yep. We all have to do road policing. We're all funded through the National Land Transport Fund to do it. Mm-hmm. Even as a detective, 3% of your salary comes from there rather than folk police. So um, so there's an expectation. So we've got to make sure that we bring everybody into it. Mm-hmm. And so we have an action plan that draws on all of our strategies, including safer journeys, which is the government strategy for road safety, um, prevention first, um, the turning of the tide for um, for iwi, mm-hmm. um, and, and commitment to Māori, um, all of that. And, and, and even our target. So it does that and it just puts it into a deployment sense for how does road policing operationalise those already existing strategies. So that was my goal.
0: Yeah. Have your goals
1: changed any since you've been in the position for four years? No, no, not from that perspective, but all of a sudden there's become a lot of great support from the executive in terms of we now have 5% reduction in road deaths each and every year. So that is our commissioner saying, enough trauma is enough. Now, we work with our partners, but what we're saying is th- that work continues at the road safety partnership level. Um, but what this says is actually, New Zealand Police, you'll absolutely do your bit. Our commissioner is absolutely clear on that, as is the executive, as are our district commanders. Yeah, yeah. and like you,
0: said, like you said, the days of us being individual road policing units um, and police officers. Well and truly They're gone. Only. They're well and truly gone. And if anyone was
1: ever holding on to the um hey, the TSS that's now merged with police in 1992, yeah. um, forget it. Yeah, That's happened in the past. We're now New Zealand police and this is what we all do. Yeah,
0: you're not wrong. Mm. Uh there's a lot of talk about road tolls, driver distraction, accident, yep. yep. accident. Just for the record, yep. and I know because <laughs> obviously I'm part of the firm. Yeah. yeah. But what are the leading causes yeah. of accidents on New Zealand roads? Yeah, it's
1: funny, you know, we used to talk about the fatal five and things like that and uh um, and while they were probably fit for the day, we've done a lot more analysis. And you know, now that we have a, demil- uh, a, a, um, a deployment model, which mm. our, with our, we have what's called critical command information, which enables our districts to understand what the problems are through intelligence products. Yep. Okay, if those, is, if that's what intelligence is telling us, that's what the evidence says is great for the treatment of those problems. Then the commander said, "This is what we're going to do." So we've found we've found um, that, that um, and we've had this independently um, uh, supported through the New Zealand uh, Transport Agency's Commission of Research and um, various uh, universities, uh, Monash and the like, around the world. Um, And the four main factors, and you'll hear us in the media talk about this all the time, is um, restraints, impairment, distraction and speed. Mm. So with restraints, what we know is uh, a few years back the average number of people who died because of not having their seatbelt on was 57 per year inexplicably it would seem that's jumped to over a hundred now, mm. and that's consistent. People need to put
0: their bloody seatbelt on. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's so easy. That's like I say to people when I do radio, <coughs> radio calls, if I can teach a classroom of mm. five-year-olds how to do this, if you're 52 and not wearing your seatbelt, you don't have an excuse. I There's can't no understand There's no
1: excuse. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, and, and listeners out there, will, will, will when they hear this, Yeah. Or roll their eyes, it is inexcusable, but uh, some excuses. Um, one is that I'm late for an interview and yeah. I don't want to crease my shirt. Yeah, okay. Well, do you want to be late or do you want to be late? Yeah, you know, exactly. as I'm dead. yeah, yeah. Um, but that, that's madness. Um, we've got young people out there who, for some stupid reason, that's not having to go at young people, but the, yeah. it's having to go at what they're doing. Yeah, and the reason is they're, they're clicking the bell on behind them to stop the, the little alarm sounding. Yeah, um, well. What good's that? Yeah. Are going to s- turn around and hold on to it? So no. restraints, right? Yeah. It's a no brainer. And, and we tell it kids too, you tell your mum and dad, put it on. Yeah. You tell your mum and dad you need a, a seat to sit in because it's your life. Yeah, you're not right. And, um, and, and no one has got any business no. being on a road, driving a, a, a vehicle, being in charge of a vehicle without ensuring everybody's got their belt on. Yeah. I, it's, it's a sin.
0: i got to be honest, I think it's probably the biggest frustration as a police officer. You pull over yeah. a car and people aren't wearing their seatbelts yep. and you're just like, seriously, how many times have we got to tell you this message? Mm. It's, it's,
1: We've had some pretty high-profile ones. I can't go into the details no. because the investigation's not finished. But yep. we know damn well early on, belts were not worn. Yeah, exactly. And they'd be walking the earth today. Yeah. Um, instead, they're not north of the dirt anymore. No, you're not wrong either. Um, so, re- restraints. Impairment, we're talking about drugs, alcohol fatigue. Mm-hmm. Um, distractions, basically cell phones, but anything that distracts you, could even be a kid that's screaming in the back car, mm. you know, back of the car, and of course speed, driving to the conditions, those are the four things that we're focusing on.
0: How do we improve those four yeah. and get people to stop? Because there's all sorts of yeah. theories out there, you get like, mm. we have a, a, a fatal accident, we get all these experts come out in the media, you know, oh we've got to lower the speed limits, we need more campaigns. Yeah. Let's be honest, we all know that there's not one magic bullet, like, right? So yeah. what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the genie's bottle from 11 yep. right. and say, you've got three wishes, Steve, yep. really? What are they?
1: <coughs> well, really, if I do, let's just call the first one, those four things, that yeah, the driving public um, took note of those four things, restraints, they had the belts on, they weren't drunk or drugged or too tired to drive, they weren't on their bloody cell phones and actually they drove at a speed that was suitable to the conditions. If they did that, that's number one risk, because if they do that, well, um, yeah. we are home and host as a safe country, right? Yeah.
0: As in, just as a general uh, sort of yeah. figure, so that mm. the listeners have got some idea, if you got that one particular wish, how much do you think the ro- road sort of accidents would decrease on the road flight? If
1: they did that, we'd be under 200 tomorrow. Yeah. 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 Uh, at the end of this year we would be, but we're not, because no. people are not doing that. No. So, um, and know, yeah, when you think about last year, we were three hundred and seventy-seven. So, it was a slight reduction on the previous year, but not much. No. And certainly nothing to celebrate. No cold comfort for the p- families of those people who did die. Yeah. But it wasn't it wasn't uh, worse than the year before. But um, so that's number one. Mm-hmm. Um, Decision making around impatience. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've spoken to Dr. Sam uh, Sam Charlton of Waikato University, one of the greatest brains on the planet on driver psychology. Very fortunate to have him as a Kiwi, right? Mm-hmm. So he's in our backyard. We talk to him a lot about these things. And, um, and he talks about um, about uh, Kiwi society being perfectionist and co- very competitive. Very competitive. And, 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 and you'll laugh when you hear it, but you know you would have been there and you would have seen someone making a stupid decision to overtake you. Maybe it's on double yellows. Maybe it's that when you're, your passing lane is merging even. And it's right at that spot. You have to slam on your brakes. And they got no further ahead you're stuck in a bloody queue well you know we've got it in our heads that we've got to be at the front of our queue for some reason um it it's just it's insane Mm -hmm. um so impatience be patient get to your destination in one pace yeah it's not going to add much time and um and let's stop blaming visiting drivers for a second you know, as Kiwis, and I know media's even been on it, oh, you know, another tourist on the wrong side of the road. That's going to happen. Mm. You know, we go to the States. You can't tell me Kiwis don't drive on the wrong side because in a moment of crisis, we revert to what we know best, yeah, muscle memory. Right. We go to the left, oh, my God, we're on the wrong side, and we're those guys all of a sudden. So, we, you know, the fact of the matter is around 6% of fatal crashes, are caused by visiting drivers. They're involved in them yeah. um, across the country. Uh, 94% caused by Kiwis, we need to start talking about that. So those are the three things I would say. Um, There's wider sector stuff around um, engineering and legislation and that. Well, we're working really closely with with the Ministry of Transport, the New Zealand Transport Agency, as well as the road controlling authorities at a local level to try to make sure we've got a great balance, but that's not for me to talk about. Um, But they are working really hard in that space to try to make sure that actually, you know, they're fulfilling their part of the safe system. And if we can do that, we could catch up to the Swedes, the Norwegians, the Swiss, and everybody who do it really well. I think the number of deaths per year in Norway, um, you know, the Norwegians use a safe system as do we. When we catch up, when we catch up with them, not if, when we catch up with them, um, we will go from 8.8 uh, deaths per hundred thousand population per year to where they are at two, mm. we're miles apart. Yeah. But we can do that. Kiwis, we've just got to get this
0: right. Yeah, exactly right. It's just a culture shift. It's all it is, mate. Yeah. There are some that say there's more cars on the road, and yep. as the population increases, we're going to get more crashes, right? And yep. If you do the maths on it, yeah. uh, well, that's basically a general rule, isn't it? If the pop- population increases, so are the number of cars, so yep. the number of accidents. Mm. Does that cut it for you? I mean, you look somewhere like <coughs> Germany. It's mm. got a massive population. Yeah, it does. They lose about, I think last year, was like 3,200 people on their roads. Yeah. Uh, is that something that we're willing to accept in New Zealand or are we going to say actually you know what, let's change the culture and let's see yeah. if we can get it to decrease? You know
1: what, it's about, it's, it's, a, philo- it's a philosophy, um, you know when you go to those countries their philosophy is we don't accept death as being, that's why we don't like the word toll, no. so road toll, we don't use that anymore no. in police uh, and neither does the sector because what that says a toll is a price we're willing to pay for having a transport system, mm-hmm. we're not. No. Death and serious injury, there's got no place having that just because we have roads, um, can you imagine 377 people if you put them into a 747 and it crashed, or um, say get um, um, I don't know, do the math. Say say three 737s with 100 people on. If if if, if three of those crashed, you know, four of those crashed in the air, we'd be thinking about aviation, wouldn't we? Yeah, well, they you. don't because they think about it differently. Yeah. Um, we've got to do the same in, in, in road transport, and we are. Um, but no, you're right, the thing called VKT, vehicles kilometers tra- Vehicle Kilometres Travelled, has increased wickedly over the last year, it's about 15%, 16%. We, um, we've done the math. And so our environment is bigger. So yet in New Zealand, we are batting above our, in terms of that, when you look at last year's number of deaths, it is lower, but deaths is only one part of the equation. Exactly right. A really big part of it, and the biggest social cost for New Zealand, is around hospitalisations. So think about you know, your family, your whanau, around a member of uh, your family who, who have crashed they're in a wheelchair for the rest of their life um, some, of them may, some of them in your family may have to leave work to look after them mm-hmm. and that is a huge impact on family, um, it's massive and uh, the costs are, are so much more than a, in a death so we don't really want to just focus on the death albeit death is horrific because you lose your family member forever, but um, the truth is sometimes you lose your, per- your family member when they're um, suffering brain trauma they're not the same person
0: no, not wrong and um, I did some time it's yeah I did some time at Laurie Ferguson Head Injury Clinic yeah. where there was a couple of motor vehicle accident yeah, no. uh, victims there just horrific yeah. um, do you get tired of the fixation on the road deaths all the yeah, time yeah I do you know look, we have a, an accident happen and the first thing is oh we've lost this many people on the road yeah. um, and there's never ever like you've just said there's never ever any mention of the accidents, mm-hmm. the social costs or anything else, yeah. um, and there, it's always like, can we get hold of Superintendent Greeley and yeah, yeah, can absolutely. he stand up again and say, yeah. how many people have passed away I on the roads? Yeah, 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 for sure. And um,
1: as if um, society wants to blame someone for this, yeah. we really we need to do some inward reflection as drivers, because it's the drivers themselves, they're the only people who can make a decision as to how they get the decisions they're going to make around driving that vehicle. Mm. Um, they can blame peer pressure in the car all you want, but as a driver, you're the only one who says, "Do I give in to it or not? Mm-hmm. Do I, you know?" Um, so, so that's where really blame sits at driver level for this. Exactly. Right. We're there to give you those messages to to educate uh, and to enforce the law. when you don't, but we can't be everywhere all the time. No. We've got to rely on people making better decisions. So, yeah, we do, uh, uh, you know, most journalists in, in my 400 years have, have asked me, Even yeah, some of the more um, uh, well-known journalists, you know, John Campbells, your Duncan Garner's and Guy Espin, they've said, you yeah, why is the, the message not getting through? Well, who knows why it's not getting through? The problem is, is that people know this stuff really well. When you get your driver licence, you don't, you get your driver licence because you, you're not drunk. You're not answering your phone. No. You're not speeding. You're not going busting a red light, are you? Um, and you've got your seatbelt on. You're doing all the right stuff then just because you drive your drive license doesn't give you a license to go and break those rules, but people do because they forget that yeah. and they're in the moment. Yeah. We're asking people to make it, you know, better decisions and you can't tell me that people don't know that if you do 170 plus, without your but on, bad things are going to happen.
0: Exactly right. We've got a mantra in the New Zealand police that road safety is everybody's responsibility, yeah. which I completely believe. But that doesn't just include cops policing the roads. I believe that all New Zealanders from about the age of five years old who are taught to cross the road yep. to the senior citizens doing their licence retests. Yep. Right. There have been lots of suggestions by members of public, like lower the speeds, retest, better roads. How do the, Just so that people yeah. have some idea, because I think a lot of people mm. think or the blame, not the blame, but a lot of the blame <coughs> um, or the responsibility yeah. lies with police. Give us an example of how we make submissions to Parliament yep. to do with road safety yeah, so that sure. your average punter can say, oh, okay, so let's say, for instance, we're going to take State Highway 1 yep. and lower it to a 70 k speed zone. Sure. How much work is that going to take? All right, yeah,
1: okay. So what happens there is, um, so the Ministry of Transport owns all the legislation around around this. And so, police. We don't. As police, we don't set the laws. No. We don't make them. Our role is to enforce the law, and actually to prevent people, as many people as possible, from breaking the law. That's that's where police sits in the system. So, but we are a, a value partner mm-hmm. um, amongst uh, from with the Ministry of Transport. And so, you know, there's public consultation papers out there at the moment around drug driving. Um, and I know that um, speed limits and things have been a, a topical conversation uh, mm-hmm. with the public. Um, we've had the Associate Minister of Transport, Julian Genta, saying some great things and really leading the charge, mm-hmm. um, and that's great. And of course, while well, she's not our minister, we have Minister Nash for the Minister of Police. Um, we we are afforded uh, the the opportunity to consult; they, they consult with us and we and, and seek our submissions on feedback. And we do that on, on an, array, an array of um, topics um, when they're coming up for discussion. And um, so if the minister is trying to get something through cabinet. Um, part of that process say, we'll have you consulted with the public, with your partners and all the rest? And so we do. We look at what they're proposing and we, we give um, feedback on a very similar context. Um, when we're trying to get things through, um, we consult with our partners, so Ministry of Transport, NZTA, ACC, AA, you name it. A whole lot of a swag of people, uh, groups of people with different interests, even um, lobbyist groups, NGOs. Um, we we want to hear from people to understand a full... Um, understanding what the problem that we're trying to solve is. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, um, if you if you just took a command approach to this and said, you know what, we know best, and try to enforce, you don't get the buy-in with the public. No. That's got to be, and that's what democracy is. Yeah. You're not so not lucky to be in a country like this.
0: Not wrong. There's an increasing focus on foreigners driving on New Zealand roads. Yeah. It's um, a shame. Yeah, and like you said, only 4%, yeah. like re- oh, 6%, 6% sorry. roughly 6%, yeah. What's been done to assist and educate the foreign drivers when they arrive in New Zealand? I know yeah. there's been lots of new programs at the airport and the yeah. such like. Yeah. Um, uh, are we leading it on the front footer of uh, NZTA doing that? or? Yeah, so NZTA owns that.
1: Um, so it's a visiting drivers program, and uh, it's led by a chap called Jim Harland. And um, I was part of the governance group on that, and uh, it's, it was a brilliant thing. Um, and it, it, again, when we, when we talked about before, understanding what the problem is and trying to address the causes. So it's not about just targeting, because you'll know, you record a few years ago, a lot of media hype around um, Kiwis um, appalled by visiting drivers. Yeah. And it got really quite racial um, in terms of, um, the blame was on Asian drivers, mm-hmm. which was pathetic. Um, we had people um, taking keys by force off Asian drives. Can you imagine if you went to a country where you really didn't speak the language um, and, and the police of the land, or no, not the police, a, a member of the public who wasn't even police with, with any authority, you'd think you were about to be robbed. You didn't understand what's happening. It would be a terrifying thing for your family Mm -hmm. and you'd you'd have nothing but bad things to say about the country okay I see sometimes a need to intervene and and okay police might not be there Um, that's a case-by-case basis but um, what we don't want to get into is the blame game around specifics you know at the time um, when they talked about Asian drivers trying to make them out to be the worst they were not they're about fifth or sixth Mm -hmm. um, Australians actually because of their numbers of people here um, featured a lot he- more heavily, you know, and it's, it's, it's not blaming the ga- uh, blaming them, it's about understanding what the problem is. So, Interjet put together this problem was great, um, where they, they looked at actually the touch points. Where do, where do visiting drivers come into the country, so there's an opportunity, for example, having surveys with our rental companies, where have you come from, how long have you been, have you had a break? No, I've just been coming from the US, it's 14 hours from LA into yeah. Auckland. And I'm, I'm, and I'm going to make it in three, in three hours. I'm going to be there in, in, in topol. Uh, no, you're not. Um, you're going to take me three hours to get out of Auckland in some days. Yeah, not wrong. Yeah, so, you know, uh, we all know about those, those issues. So um, we're trying to understand, so, hey, if you consider, actually, go and have a break first and, 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 and get them to understand this is what happens, but even targeting them on the plane. So when New Zealand came to the park, you know, and um, we, had, um, we had embassies getting involved, to say and funding parts of us to say well you know what what's what's our role in, in the solution here, mm. so it's a really whole of um, sector approach here. It's not just about the enforcement, although there will always be enforcement required.
0: Yeah, you're not wrong, and I think if people think that we're doing a bad job, I've travelled to Canada and America quite extensively. Yeah, I've never ever seen any driver education on taking a break or yep. anything else. Sorry, so yeah, so New
1: Zealand, how hey, you're well ahead on that piece, eh? Yeah. Hey?
0: You once said on the Nelson Weekly, February eleventh, twenty fifteen, exactly. Oh no! Interacting with people outside uh, the police and with community groups—they're the people, the ones who really understand the issues, right? So, just off the top of your head, and I know with some of the groups I work, how many different groups does the road policing group work with? Oh gosh! Right? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. As as an ex-community officer, I'm used to working with groups, but there seems to be just a myriad of groups with. Trying to assist with uh, road policing issues, yep. so I can think oh, about yeah, of yeah, yeah, fifteen yeah. off my head. I'm guessing it would, for you. It's going to yeah. be almost a prism of. Uh, oh no, uh, it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah, it's no different to you, uh, yep.
1: Ron, in, in that respect, it's um, it's it's probably um, different levels of organisations is yep. the only difference. It's, yep. it's, but uh, you know, we really appreciate as police, we really appreciate there are a lot of people out there who really do give a damn, mm. and um, and they're looking at the problem because, and thankfully, that's why we've got to keep these things in the media. Um, is because we need as much coverage and education exposure as we can get around what the issues really are. Um, and people, t- some, you know, we've got uh, NGOs, we've got government organisations, we've got, we've got uh, members of the public, small community groups um, who have a genuine interest in this stuff, which is really, really great. And I receive a lot of letters from, from those groups and, 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 and subgroups around, around what's, what are some things that we could do, the obvious things. I guess what some people don't realise is that actually there is a process we have to go through and that while we might not have had a successful um, change in something, didn't mean that the sector hasn't tried no. and or that the sector's not talking about it at the moment. And maybe we need to get a little bit better about that stuff. But but um, by and large, partnerships is the absolute key to us succeeding in this because we've always said police cannot do it alone. No. Ministry of Transport cannot do it alone, you can't just legislate your way out of it, you need people to enforce the legislation, you need people to buy into it um, and, and facilitate and uh, NCTA cannot do it on their own, no. so it's, we really have to be really sharp on our partnership. Yeah,
0: and you've even had your beloved New Zealand Warriors out there doing checkpoints as well. So. Oh, they were the, one of my
1: most heartfelt partners as the Warriors, yep. love them, they yes. had a great time on the line. Yeah. <laughs> Haven't seen the bunnies out there, but I don't know why. Yeah, it's probably because we're not in Sydney. Anyway, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. difficult... They do difficult. play here. Yeah, exactly. It's not a cherry.
0: I'll have a chat to Sammy Burgess. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Devil's Advocates questions for you. Just okay. two. Yeah, yeah. Speed cameras. Yep. Everybody goes on about them being... They're just a revenue gathering tool. Yeah, rubbish. Yeah. Rubbish. Uh, I kind of know because I've seen the, <laughs> some of the stats and everything else. Where we put speed cameras isn't a revenue... Gathering no. exercise—it's it's no. black spots, it's intel, no. it's that type of stuff. So no, 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 that's no. a complete myth, correct? A
1: huge myth, right. and uh, the thing about the—let's uh, say about okay. So we've got um, 46 static cameras fixed in place around mm-hmm. the country, um, and uh, and they're there because we've worked it out over the last five years in terms of crash data with uh, with with external consultants. A huge methodology involved in that, and they are there for that reason. Now we started off with over 200 sites uh, in, in in scope. Um, we could have put up a lot more cameras, but you know the science didn't support it. No. So if it was revenue gathering, revenue gathered, we would have done it. We don't do that. In fact, the money does not come to police. No. It goes to the government's consolidated fund. We don't see it. We're not inspired by it. We're not influenced it. Um, if we get, you know, if there's more fines handed out, we don't get a, in more staff. There's n- blow it out of the water. It does not happen. Yeah. Um, what? They, but they do have limitations because I come into Wellington um, every day and I go down the Ronger Gorge. We've had one since i think 1997 we haven't had a death since this um you know it, it, people look at it but i do see the sea of red yep. everyone hits the skids yeah but 100 meters prior and then i see people speed up so they are limited they have the halo effect yep but mobile. we can be anywhere anytime with our mobile cameras and with our cops so just because you see a fixed camera there, does not mean we won't be I'm um, half a K down the road going to pick you up and yep. when you hit the, the gas again.
0: You are not wrong. And now one of the biggest myths, and I can't say in my 23 years of policing I've ever seen it, Yeah, all cops have ticket quotas that they must fill no. during this shift. No, 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 no,
1: yeah. no, we don't have quotas. But we, look, we do have, um, we do need to make sure that our, our people are out there doing the job. Yeah. Um, you know and there 's a lot of ways we can resolve, so if we pull you over for whatever it might be, say you, you, your child didn 't have a, the right seat uh, the seat to sit in, um, you could get a ticket for that you know we know restraints and and, and, um, and, and you may well get a ticket for that but you know there 's other ways to resolve this as well um, where we had a, a a van that was pulled over in auckland, um, eleven people in that van mm. Um, two were restrained, only two. No, none of the kids were bouncing around all over the place. Now, we could have given 11, uh, you know, nine tickets for those. We didn't. Our officer thought about the big picture. and Actually, he has a, fa- um, a family that was really under pressure. Didn't want to break the law. Just didn't have the means. So got them in touch with a, a provider for those seats. Yeah, they did get a couple of tickets. Here's a bit of sting, but here's a long-term solution. Mm. Now, I don't know if that family went and put it on Trade Me or not, I don't know. Yeah. But the, the, our people are starting to think about this more holistically around the problems. And, um, but hey, that does not mean we're taking a soft stance on road safety. No. Um, for some people, getting a ticket's the only language they understand, or being arrested is the only thing, they, and put before the court is the only thing they understand. Um, and for those things, that will always be. And, and maybe, yeah, yeah, but tickets will always be here because it's about general and specific deterrence, getting people to understand that there are consequences for your decision making and they're the least of the consequences death and serious injury is the next level up.
0: Exactly, you're not
1: wrong so uh, we, we, all we want is for people to get home in one piece to have great lives with their families and live to tell the tale we don't want our young people up there having to, in two in the morning scraping body parts and no. literally that's what it is yeah, um don't get me started on that. Yeah, and I, and I don't yeah.
0: think until you've actually been to an accident like yeah. that, you can even begin to describe it to
1: people. It's the things that our people on the front line see and smell and hear every day. And uh, this is the most passionate part of why I'm in this role, and why I believe in it so much is because, you know, there are things that when you go to that crash scene, you cannot do anything for these people not even the paramedics can really do much no. about it because they're locked in that car we can't even get out until you know a fire we need them to get them out then we need to treat them then we get in the pain relief is a long way away it's heartbreaking mm. and then the dead people that are there knowing oh my god and they're sitting next to the mate that's still alive
0: yeah and it's even worse on a country road as well where it takes time to yeah, get
1: people yeah. there and now people on the front line do the, the on that. you couldn't have more respect for them no. What they do, but then the worst job, Brian, is that as if that's not hard enough, is to nominate two poor cops with a sergeant who are going to have to go and go and see someone they've never ever um, met before, and ruin their world. Yeah. And um, I know you're, you're probably running out of time, and I don't want to. Oh no, your no, point, not yet. Yeah. Um, I remember who um, my sergeant. Uh, I knew I was going to get the job, and I did. I got the phone call. Um, off I go, I was over the radio, off I go, met with the sergeant and um, we had to go there. We parked up just outside the house, just a little bit out of sight, but I could see through the kitchen window, um, there was a woman there who was obviously preparing dinner for the kids, the kids were there, and Dad was not coming home. Mm. And I felt like, um, man, what do I do? Um, I don't know what to say, I don't know who you are, I know what this is going to do to you. Um, I just want to give her five more minutes of having a life intact, you know, yeah. um, knowing, thinking that her life was okay, um, and then when I got there, I just had to spit it out. Yeah,
0: and I don't, I, people just don't realise, I had to do it oh, myself. Oh, that's so hard, I feel, oh. it's emotional for
1: me right now, mate, yeah. I hate it.
0: Yeah, I had to tell her yeah. son once that his father had died on Christmas Day. Oh. Uh, as a result of a yeah, yeah, road accident that's just like yeah, it still sticks with your, oh, you know. I I've, I've remember every,
1: every time I've had to do it yeah uh, yeah, pretty it's much it, mate.
0: everybody rates themselves as a great driver in New Zealand yeah they do but even the beloved Greg Murphy yeah. crashes sometimes right Yeah, uh, full respect to Mr Murphy as well yeah. um, you might get a better driver in no, this country no no you're right for me I, and I think we've kind of addressed this but New Zealand drivers need to have a really good look at themselves yeah they do like you've said and if you're the driver of a vehicle and it has an accident then you should be looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, "What have I done to cause this accident?" <coughs> yeah, self-reflection. Yeah. So, yep. were you really disappointed by the events in North Canterbury just last weekend, where a number of drivers were stopped drink driving? Yep. Um, Sixteen and
1: two and a half hours.
0: Yeah, which is just ridiculous. It's, it's well, insane. Yeah. I'm just
1: you know, I mean, it's not about oh yeah, you know, when I get caught and have to go to court and I might have you know, implications for my work or whatever. Um, think about how you would feel if okay, first up, you died, but that's over, so it's, it's, it's a non yep. no more thinking about that. No. Um, do you really want to lose your life as a result of a stupid mistake when you could have spent 20, 30 bucks and got a taxi? Um, but how would you feel if um, you'd had a, a few more beers than you should have and you hit the road and you killed someone? And we do see that. We see people doing the right thing, but they're just in the wrong place. Yep. And some and I'll call them an absolute bloody muppet, Mm, has no right to do what they did, no right to be on the road with sober drivers. It's as bad as those people who who think they can text and and, and take Mm. their eyes off the bloody road, right? Um, You've got no business drinking and driving. Now, drinking, go for it. We all drink. Well, no, we don't all drink. A lot of people drink. I drink. Have fun, but there's a time and a place for it. I drive. I, if I'm driving, there's no damn way I'm ever going to bloody have a drink. No. You're exactly right. There's no way. Like it's my responsibility as if, a driver.
0: If you compare it to a commercial airline pilot, for yep. instance, and we said, hey, jump on board the jumbo yep. jet, the pilot's been drinking yep. for the last four hours, none of us would go on yep. board and we'd all be screaming for the pilot's Correct. For Correct. But for some reason, if it's a motor vehicle, it seems to be okay. I know, yeah. I
1: know, yeah. I know that you've got no business doing it, mate, yeah. but um, just think about the guilt that yeah. you would wear for the rest of your life.
0: You cannot bring that person back, mate. Let's end that on a bit of sunshine. Yeah. Uh, there are many innovations that will happen in the future to do with road policing safety yep. uh, that will assist with road safety. Yeah. I know that you have seen a few of them. Has there been one in particular that's made you go, whoa, that's awesome, and I hope that that makes it to New Zealand? Have you seen anything like that out of the woodwork? Um, oh,
1: in terms of international jurisdictions yeah. yep. and things? Um, Uh, Oh, yeah, there's lots of of stuff that um, jurisdictions trial, and they sound really, really good. And and when you think about doing the analysis, they probably don't. But um, one of the things that New Zealanders um, actually to enable our people to be out there more is is that we're doing... I mean, anybody that's been pulled over by a a cop uh, in the last couple of years knows that we don't have paper-based tickets. Because, you know, we're all on... Our officers do all of that. Yeah. And the warnings and everything go on the phone. And what that enables us to do is actually to concentrate, to change our focus. We don't want our people hopping out of the car with a predetermined idea um, in their heads that they're gonna resolve it by a ticket or not. Where would you want them to say, hey listen, we can scan your license now. Now I'm gonna put my phone in my pocket and I'm gonna have a conversation with a human being mm. and treat me like an adult, right? And then and through that conversation, I'm gonna understand what led to this. Now, it's not an opportunity to pull the wool over the cop's oh, eyes out cops have done a lot of time in police and they know what a liar looks yeah, like, yeah. but it's, it is an opportunity for our officer to understand what happened and actually treat you like, you know what, I'm going to give you a benefit of that. you are going to get a warning on this or you're going to get a, a ticket with compliance to give you a chance to rectify it, then we'll rip up the, the ticket. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to be reasonable, but we are going to be firm about what we do. So that was really cool. Another thing we're doing is um, with a handheld, evidential breath testing devices. So, you know, that fits our rural cops. We talked about them before, you know, and our rural cops are out there doing the job. But they might be an hour away from their base and they pick up a drunk driver. Well, what mm-hmm. they've got to do then is put this drunk driver in the car, drive the hour and a half back to base, which it actually comes with safety issues for our people because not all drunk people are helpful. Are helpful. Yeah, yeah. That way yeah, yeah. And,
0: and calm. Or have bladder control. Or have yeah, bladder yeah.
1: control. Yeah, yeah. All of that. Yep. Um, and, yeah. Uh, but when we do that, A, a couple of things happen, we're away from our post way out there, so we're not visible to the public, we don't deter anything, because we're not there anymore, we're back at the station. And over that one and a half hour, the, 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 the breath testing concentration diminishes, and so it may be that they're now legal. So we can't get reiterate that through the through a judicial process, through to them and actually make them think about this. So what we've done is we've given them a handheld that does all three pro standard um, processes. So it does a, scre- um, a screening test, is there alcohol in your breath? If so, is it likely to be over? Oh yes, if so, well now we can do the evidential side of it. Right. And the only time, so we can do
0: it on the side of it and be done. Easy. Um, and stay
1: visible to the members of the public. Yeah. And,
0: that's, and you and I will both remember that the paper-based days of, you know, I've got X amount of tickets that I've just done or I've got to write a report and I'm going to be off the road for the next two hours because I'm doing paperwork, which doesn't do anybody a service. It it
1: really doesn't. And you talked about that quote a word before. We just have, um, you know, we have an obligation to understand what our level of performance and activity is Mm. because, of course, the New Zealand Transport Agency does fund our road blessing effort. And so, like, any... um, good use of taxpayer money it's got to be some sort of undertaking on our behalf to make sure that actually you know what we are hitting the markets certainly
0: not quotas yeah exactly right so last question for you Yeah, mate. Uh, the one that we always end the podcast on yeah. the day of reckoning has come for Steve Greeley and you're in your casket but you can hear what's going on Yeah. what do you hope that people will say about Steve Greeley during the eulogy yeah um Steve Greeley
1: was a fear he was a fear bugger yeah. and um, yep there'll be pain um, uh, through road policing enforcement and prevention of course there is uh, whether you're a police officer whether you're a member of the public or on the other side of the ledger there but um, it's done to try to keep you alive and to have the best life you possibly can.
0: And ain't that the solid truth, so yeah. on that thank you very much Superintendent Steve Greeley for joining us for the Copacino. Oh I really appreciate it, great, great talk mate. Absolute pleasure, cheers. Cappuccino with Constable Brian. Real people, real stories. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss his next podcast.